Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special edition of the LFC Rebels podcast. Tonight, we're here to pay tribute to a man who signed for Liverpool in February 1967. He went on to captain Liverpool to the first European Cup victory in 1977. Numerous league titles followed. He also captained England. And it, we're talking about the one and only, the great Eminent Hughes. Tonight to pay tribute, I'm joined by Tom Keegan, Mike Wilson, Pete Warburton, and a very, very special guest, Eminent's son, Eminent Jr. So welcome, lads. This is a podcast I've been looking forward to since we come up with the idea a few weeks ago. And the, the cherry was put on the top of the cake when Emlyn agreed to come on. So we'll start with, probably out of all of us, we're all massive fans of Emlyn. But there's one man here who is a bigger fan than any of us, and that's Mike. So Mike, you go first with what Emlyn meant to you. Well, that's a big build-up, isn't it? Well, if it... If it just kind of, if it just says what it means to me in terms of the fact that I've had a Twitter account since August twenty August twenty oh nine, and my my uh, avatar, my picture on my Twitter account has been Evelyn Hughes from the day one. It's just been there's been two different pictures, but over fourteen years. My, my picture's been Emlyn Hughes. Emlyn was one of the two players that I was always going to support Liverpool from, from the moment when I was two months old. My dad uh, was feeding me a bottle of milk uh, and then Liverpool scored the winner in the cup final against uh, Leeds and he dropped me on the sofa as he put his arms up. So I was always going to be a Liverpool fan. But when I first started watching football... The team was Clements Lull, Lindsay, Lindsay Smith, Lloyd Hughes, Keegan Cormac, Kyra Toshak, Callaghan. I can remember it. And Keegan and Hughes were the two people that made me fall in love with, uh, with, with, with Liverpool. Fall in love with football and fall in love with Liverpool. That that I, I just idolised. As a kid, I idolised them. Idolised them. And, and remember it well. They were just they were just two of the greatest players I, I ever remember watching Liverpool play. I just I mean I played centre back when I played football, and and it, and if I could ever be anything like Emlyn Hughes as a footballer, that would make me incredibly proud. Because was it Shankly that said he's got everything, and and he did, left foot, right foot, in the air, but the enthusiasm, and I still count him as Liverpool's greatest ever captain. Tom, I'll move on to you now. What does Emlyn? Uh, he he epitomised every every Emlyn epitomised everything that was good about Liverpool Football Club in the Shankly side. You know, like he gave everything for the team. You know, as as, as Mike said, right foot, left foot. You know, like headers. He, he never beaten in a tackle. He just he gave everything. He drove Liverpool forward. He was he he was an incredible footballer and such a likable personality as well. He just everything about him. He played the game with a smile most of the times. But like and he he was just incredible. Meant so much to, to, to Liverpool, especially our younger generation. We I'd grown up in the sixty in the sixties, saw the the, the, the the late sixties side. And then when it broke up into the seventies, I was just getting old enough. To start to you know go with the game on ourselves, and as Mike said, you, 
Shanks built this side, and Emblem was 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 the key one of the keystones to that side. He was an incredible footballer. Scored some some of the some of the best goals I've ever seen scored were, were scored by Emlyn. Two against Everton, one against Newcastle, one which was the most incredible shots I've ever seen at, at the Gallagher's end. Just he he was everything. He was just he epitomised Liverpool Football Club on the shanks. He was just a, and probably as Mike said, he probably the greatest ever captain. And he lifted the European Cup for the first ever time. And that the smile on his face at that day, he just he just gave everything to Liverpool. It's incredible man. Pete, your turn. My first game at Anfield was February '67. And I think it was a week or possibly 10 days before Emlyn signed. First game was against Aston Villa and, and Gordon Milne scored the winner at the cop end. And um, I, I was I was like a nipper then. And, and it isn't like the kids now know every player on because of the football um, games and stuff like that. But I think Emlyn, when he was on that pitch in, in the Liverpool shares, he was every cop ice. He, he was... He, he was everything a copite wanted to do. You wanted to play for Liverpool. You're a local lad. And he just epitomised the, the energy that, that he played with. And, and he was he could play anywhere again, across the back floor. He could play in midfield. And he gave you the same, not 100%. It was 100% much, much more. And he, he'd never he'd never say die, Emlyn. You know, he, there's that great photograph where he's actually getting carried off all bloody in the statues outside the... And the souvenir shop now, but that was what Emlyn Hughes was. He he would he would, you know, it's a cliche, but he bled he bleed red, and it was the red of Liverpool that he bleed, you know. And I always remember that the game that Tommy spoke about then, well, one of the one of the games, the Derby game, and for some reason, my dad had taken me and a couple of mates up to Birkenhead Park to watch the rugby. I don't know why we went to rugby, but we couldn't get tickets for the Derby, so we went there, and we we. He had a little transistor radio as well before all these other fangled things. And we were listening on the bus. And I always, my dad was a blue nose. And I always remember he scored two late goals, Emlyn. And my dad turned to me and said, God, I wish Everton had bought that lad. He was that good. He, you know, I mean, my dad my dad saw the likes of Alex Young and, and Harvey and Ball. But he said, I wish we'd have bought that lad. And he was just, it was just the pleasure in his face. He, he loved the game so much. You know, and, and I don't know, he just played with such enthusiasm. And as I say, he, you'd stand on the cop and you could tell he was playing for you. You could tell everything he did was playing for you. And like Tom said, some of the goals he scored, I remember one at Highbury as well, where he hit one at the clock end and it flew like a, like a rocket into the top. And, you know, he's, he's just, I don't know, you, you had Emlyn in the side and, and you, you were going to win the game, to be honest with Emlyn. That, that's how it was. For me, he epitomises everything that Liverpool Football Club was about. He's my captain. You know, when I was when I was growing up and started going to the game, you know, in the in the early seventies and really starting to take notice, you know, it was Emlyn Hughes and then and Kevin Keegan had just come into the side. But Emlyn was the one. He was the one who who sort of gave gave everything and, and you looked at him and you thought, you know, if I I'm not good enough to play for Liverpool Football Club. But if I was, or I wanted anybody to, to represent me on the field uh, with with 
determination, skill, enthusiasm, then it would be Emlyn. Great captain, great leader, great footballer. You know, nicknamed Crazy Horse by the cop. And the cop, you know, don't get many things wrong when they when they look at players. But come on without, come on within. Yeah. You'll not see nothing like the mighty Emlyn. And that just sums it up. You never did see anything like him. You'll never see anything like him again. You know, he could play. He could play in midfield, score great goals. He then reverted back to being one of the greatest centre-backs in the country, in his era. He was a magnificent left-back. You know, if you asked him to play in goal, you know, he would do it. And remember, one testimonial match, the cop was singing to him, China's, China's number one, when he went in goal in the testimonial match. So... You know, he's just a, just a tremendous footballer. When he hits a ball, you know, when that went in and you seen him celebrate a goal, you knew that he was celebrating it for me. My my sort of favourite moments of Emlyn are his captain. And I think the one that, that always sticks in my mind is Liverpool winning the FA Cup in 1974 against Newcastle when him and Phil Thompson didn't give Malcolm McDonald and John Tudor a kick. And then after the game, he's going up the steps to, to collect the FA Cup. And, you know, the, the look and the, the smile on his face, and he's getting scarves and hugs put round his neck as he's walking up the steps and he gets to the top and that that smile. And you think, and back then, you know, to maybe some of the younger listeners, the FA Cup was the biggest, the biggest game of the season. Not a European Cup final, but an FA Cup final. That was the day. And, you know, that was the first time I'd seen Liverpool in the FA Cup. I'd cried my eyes out in 71 when Charlie George broke my heart and I've never, ever forgiven since. But in 74, we went back again and it, I just didn't want to experience that feeling again like I had in 71. And Emlyn went up and lifted that cup. And then... Three years later, to go up and lift the European Cup in Rome, Liverpool to only be the you know the second English club to win the to win the European Cup, and then be the first captain and Englishman and you know Liverpool captain to lift the European Cup twice in two consecutive years, unbelievable. You know what I mean? We I just loved the man and. You know, when, when Liverpool um, won the, the Champions League in 2005, Emlyn had sadly passed in the, the November before. And I remember um, doing, do, 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 doing a video of the, the six European Cups and I was asked to get a few lads together to go on and talk about them. And while we were there, it was recorded just after Emlyn had passed. And they said to each of us what would be the best way that Liverpool could remember Emlyn. And I said by winning the European Cup because it was on the 25th of May. And the fella looked at me and he said to me afterwards, you've got no chance of getting that. And funny enough, when I was going into the Chelsea semi-final, I actually seen the guy again who had, who had done the video. And he said to me, I've still got you on tape. He said, saying that Liverpool had won the European Cup that year. He said, if you win tonight... He said, I thought you were nuts at the time. 
He said, if Liverpool win tonight, he said, they'll think you've had this divine inspiration somewhere. And I'm convinced, I'm convinced that when Jersey Dudek made that save, it was Emden behind him on the line. <laughs> I'm convinced of it. It was his day. And I, and you know, my tribute to Emlyn was that I got asked what I wanted for Christmas that year. And I wanted the Liverpool 77 shirt with number six on the back. And from the moment I got that, I wore that for every round of the European Cup. And I wore it in Istanbul. And when I, when I come back from Istanbul, I put it away in the wardrobe and I thought, that's it now, tribute complete. You know, and, you know, you've got that for you, Emlyn. And as I say, he meant everything to me. And, you know, I just wish now he was still here because great man. And the number of times that I'd spoke to him on the phone, he was always fantastic with me. So, yeah, Emlyn News, loved you to bits, mate. Anyway, Emlyn. Thanks, Les. Obviously, you were, you were a young, you were probably too young to really appreciate how good your dad was at the time. So, you know, well, I was, I was born in 76, so right. I'm taking a lot of credit for 77. I'll take a lot of credit <laughs> for 78. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, so I, unfortunately, I can't remember him actually playing live for Liverpool. I've seen, obviously, loads of games since. I've seen, obviously, loads of clips and all the rest of it. And obviously, I, had, I heard a fair few stories, a lot of which I probably can't tell. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I had a lot of, I had a lot of good stories from that. Well, you mentioned, well yeah. about, you mentioned earlier about the seventh four cup final, um, yeah. and Dad said in the build up to the in the build up to the final, Malcolm McDonald had been in the papers and they'd been in the press saying how quick he was and how slow Dad and Dad said we didn't need it. We didn't need any pep talk. We didn't need any team talk. He said we literally went into the uh, went into the dressing room and both of us just went. He's not getting a kick, and fair enough, they didn't. <laughs> they didn't give him a yeah. kick. Did they? <laughs> yeah, as I say, it, you know, it must be it must be fantastic for you, you know, who was who didn't see him play for to hear not just us but Liverpool fans of our generation actually talk with the love and affection for your dad, and you know, to tell you what to tell you what he means to us and to you know as a football fan, you know, apart from your family. A lot of your greatest days of your life are watching your team. And he, and obviously, you know, Mike mentioned that first team. And that was probably my real first team that I really followed as well. You know, and it, it just went on and on and on. But without the likes of your dad taking that that team forward, you know, we wouldn't be we wouldn't be the team that we are today. So not only do I sort of thank him for winning the first two European Cup finals. As I say, I'm convinced he added the one off the line when Dudek saved that. So he's got. I'll be right into the club to get you a medal for that one. By the way, Emlyn. <laughs> oh no, my breath. <laughs> yeah, and, um, but yeah, but as I say, that's you know they put the stepping stones in place for everything else that followed. And as I say, you know, not only that, but you know, when I was growing up. Right, and you know this will this will probably surprise a lot of people. What I'm going to say now, but you were brought up when international football meant something, right? And you know everybody looked up to Bobby Moore because he was England captain, and then for Bobby Moore when he when he sort of retired from international football, 
And then a few years later, the captain of your team, Liverpool, to be named captain of England. That was a great honour at the time. And you sort of went around with pride telling people, you know, all people who supported other teams, mostly Everton at that time, Emlyn is, is a, you know, England captain. You know, not Bobby Moore, it's Emlyn. You know what I mean? That was a great sense of pride. So that must, that must fill you with pride as well, knowing that your dad was was captain of England, you know, and took over for really from Bobby Moore. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to be fair, Dad said, I mean, obviously he won he won plenty plenty with Liverpool and every moment wearing a Liverpool shirt, he was proud. But first of all, his first cap he was made up with. I mean, naturally, I think I think Minana had his first cap, to be fair. He gave it to his to his uh, to his mum and dad. Um and then yeah, to be named captain, it was I'm trying to think. It was Alf Ramsey was 74, um, or up to 74, and it was after Bobby Moore that Dad got given the captaincy. Um, yeah, and yeah, it was just one of those where he just thought, really, it was, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't expected. He was just, well, yeah, he was just so proud to be able to do it. And it's not, I mean, it, it, it was always, always, uh, or he always used to say about um, until Stevie G overtook him. Um, he was the most capped Liverpool player ever when it when it was important, and I know that I know like you said about England and um, and the old internationals. It was they were they were all huge. It was really important. But yeah, I mean now they give. I mean now they have too many games and they play. I mean he he got sixty two caps. If he was playing now, how many would he have? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Gareth Southgate would probably still pick Harry Maguire because he'd pick him <laughs> for the top. <laughs> no, but I was just thinking then your dad as well was the only Liverpool player in the 1970 World Cup squad. And I'm sure I'm sure that I sort of read somewhere that that he, he just asked your mum to marry him before he went off to Mexico. So well, he got he got my mum's he got my mum's engagement ring in the shop where Bobby Moore got uh, right. got done. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a. Oh, so he told me. He probably did. He probably got it from somewhere somewhere local. But that's that was one of the stories he told. Me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be typical of your dad. That's spinning that out. There. I was in the shop buying a, a engagement ring for your man when Bobby Moore got got lifted. <laughs> Yeah, but, but one of the stories I read about your dad was that you know when he when Shanks went to sign him, they had a they had a bump on the way back to 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 Liverpool when he was going to sign, and he gets Shanks gets out the car and says to the policeman, "You need to be careful. I've got the future England uh, captain." Uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and to be fair, that was one of my dad's stories. It was probably true. Um, yeah. yeah, no, it was. Uh, it, it, yeah, that was that was true. But Shanks tried to sign him first. My dad made his debut for Blackpool, and Shanks was there and walked in the dressing room and basically tried to sign him there and then on his on his first game. And then because Blackpool had just recently sold Alan Ball, he had the they didn't need to sell at the time, so they held on to him for another what about eighteen months. Yeah. So yeah, and he. And as I say, he, he he scored his first goal for Liverpool against Newcastle in a 6-0 victory at Anfield, which wasn't long after he'd signed. So, you know, he was already then making a big impression 
you know, on the on the Liverpool supporters. So, Tom, just think you in here. Do you remember the first time you actually saw Emblem play? With that, vaguely, no, it's a early 70s, Les, wasn't it? It was the first time I seen him play was was he he broke in after 69, didn't he? I think. Did he make his debut 69? Oh, he made his debut in 67. 67. Would you believe he made his debut on Kenny's birthday, the 4th of March, against oh, Stoke in a 2 When, when I was going to the games, it was probably, probably going properly, I'm remembering games, of probably 69, 70. Yeah. You know, so, but, you know, when the team got broken up, when Shanks broke, broke the team up after the Watford game, he started, then he started to rebuild the side, then those young players started to come through. But in 71, when we were talking about with George the other day, that was when you started to notice that side because it started to gel as a proper team then in in, in 71. And so all your early proper memories, and then Emlyn was a proper player then as a proper leader of the side, with Tommy Smith in the side as well. And you know why Lanny Lloyd was there as well. So we started to build a really solid defence yeah, Emily, did, did, did your dad ever mention to you about the um, the 71 Cup final and the shirts that the club wore on that particular day? Because they were, they apparently were, they were heavy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one story went around. That sounds one of the worst excuses ever, doesn't it? But no, yeah. apparently it was red hot. Dad's, but, but Dad said he'd played, he said he had a bad game that day. And it, he said it was down to the fact that he'd played all the 69 season. He'd then gone away to Mexico for 70. Yeah, and come back and played all the following season. He said by the end of that season, he said he was absolutely sharp. He said his legs were done. He said a red hot day. He said Arsenal had new shirts, like the nice fitting tidy shirts that they've got now, um, and Liverpool still had the old heavier ones. So he used that as an excuse. Yeah, but the, your dad come out and said after that game, and I'm sure, I'm sure when I look back, I can't remember him going back on what he said. He vowed after that game that he would never ever wear a long sleeve shirt again playing for yeah. Liverpool. He um, always rolled his sleeves up. Or daft as it is, daft as it is, I've got two lads now who play football. Both of them do exactly the same. Yeah. Or he'd wear a short sleeve shirt. Yeah. Even in the, the coldest of days, he wouldn't he wouldn't break from that tradition. And he, he's put that down to the the heavy shirts that Liverpool wore that day. And as I say, he was, I remember it. It was an absolutely boiling up day, and mm. and it went into extra time as well. And um, and as I say, you know Charlie George broke all our hearts. But then, you know, a couple of years later, you know, you know, heartbreak turned to joy as we, as we then won the league, which would have been your dad's first league title with Liverpool in seventy two seventy three, and our first European trophy, which was the. The UEFA Cup after beating Bruce Munch in Gladbach, followed that as we said before by in '74 by winning the FA Cup. So and then Shankly's hand. So you must have some Shankly stories to tell us, Emlyn, about your dad. Must your dad must have told you a fair few Shank stories that that you could share with us? He he told. I mean, to be fair, a lot of the a lot of the Shank stuff I probably can't repeat because I've got young ears in the house. Um, but uh, no, I mean, he, he always said he was. Dad was lucky, or dad. And if you've heard him in, in his after dinner, 
Um, he always said, and he always started his after dinner with the same, uh, with the same speech. Um, he was lucky enough to have done what he did, got to where he got to, and meet prime ministers home and abroad, royalty home and abroad, dignitaries home and abroad. But one man always stuck out. We said, and that was Shanks. We said he was just. We said. And whatever he said, he said, whether it was true or not, he said, you believed what he said because he did. And he said it in such a such a way and such a passion that the players just followed him blindly. And hopefully, well, it seems that that's what Jürgen's doing now. Um, it seems that, yeah, his, I mean, dad just, dad just absolutely loved him. I can remember, I can remember in 81, um, when Shanks died, Dad was manager at Rotherham. We were over in Sheffield, um, and the phone rang uh, on the Friday. Shanks was actually coming over that weekend, um, and he phoned, spoke to me mum, and said, "I'm not very well. Um, I just don't feel. I don't feel hundred percent. I'm going to leave it. I think I'm coming down something. Uh, and I think was it the Monday or the Tuesday that he died? Yeah." Um, and the phone call came through, and I remember that's the first time I remember seeing my dad cry. My dad was he, he put the phone down and he just sat on the thing. And he, he was he was he was like a dad to him, and it wasn't just dad; it was every single player in that team would have would have run through a brick wall for him. Yeah, as so, you yeah, say, dad loved it. Yeah, the, the one thing I always I always remember about Shanks, and the, and this is a story that the great Tom Saunders told when he when he came to one of our meetings once and somebody asked him about, you know, the power of Shankly. And he said, when Liverpool come home with the FA Cup, he said in 1974, he said Shank stood up on top of uh, the Picton Library and all the crowd was singing and he just put his hands down and lowered his hands and complete silence. And you're talking about over a hundred thousand people there, and he just lowered his hands, and the, the the place went completely silent. And then Shanks would say something, and then if he wanted the crowd to cheer, he'd just raise his hands up, and the crowd would cheer. And then he put his hands back down again, <laughs> and they'd go quiet. And Tom Saunders said, "I was stood there, and I could." He said, "I couldn't believe what I was seeing." He said, I couldn't believe that one man had so much power over so many people. He said, and I genuinely believe, he said, and I honestly do, that if Shanks would have said, right, everybody, we're now gonna we're now gonna invade Birkenhead. So mm -hmm. follow me through the Mersey Tunnel. He'd have stepped off those steps. Have. And every man, woman, and child who was in that crowd would have followed him. And he said, I've never seen a man have so much power over the people ever. And I said that in 71 yeah. Les as well, didn't he? Yeah. After we'd lost the FA Cup, he told everybody at in St George's Hall that he was going to build a bastion, didn't he, of invincibility. And like yeah. and like you you believed them that you actually believed them and that was that was the power of him. Like Emlyn was right, you know, in, in so much as you, you can see it in Jürgen. There's there's people there's there's people that you meet or you people that you see in life and and, and, and the men's they can inspire people, they can get they can get people to do 
amazing things. And that's what that's what Shank, Shanks did, didn't he? He made them players believe that they were the greatest team. And in the 90, early 1970s, 71, 72, there was great football teams around. The Derby County sides, you know, like Nottingham Forest, Leeds, great football teams around, you, you know, with great players, great managers. But we, you believed because Shanks made you believe and the players bought into it and believed and they were driven and that's what I think that's what made Liverpool at that time such a such a formidable team, because the players actually uh, they they took on board of what he said and and as you said he would have run through a brick wall for them. Just think. Well, Dad, Dad said in the early in the early seventies, teams used to come away from Anfield having got a two 0 defeat, and they'd be slapping each other on the back. They'd be made up that they got done two 0 um, and it was all down to the fact that Shanks. Just, but he, he got every single player to believe that they were better than they were, and they were good players. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you you can see sort of, or if you put some of the names out there, Kevin, Ray Clemens, my dad, Graves, or no, Graves, who just came later, but some of the players in that era and the era before the Ronnie Yeats, the uh, the Roger Hunts, the Ian St Johns, um, he he had them believe that they were better than they were. And because he believed it, because he forced into them, they became better than than they would ever have dreamt of being. Yeah. So as I say, it, it, it's it's a great sense of pride to yourself and Emma, you know, and your mum. And obviously, you're probably telling your kids and Emma's told their kids about, you know, how good the granddad was. But but sometimes, I mean, Tom Fairclough tells a story. David Fairclough's son, he said. Everybody used to tell me how good my dad was as a player. He said, and I never believed him. He said, and then my dad showed me one day the goal he scored against Everton. He good. said, um, he said, I just looked at him and said, wow, how did you do that? And like, it's really, it's really sort of strange when, when you know, I mean, my lad's done it as well. You know, he's looked at sort of older players and thought, how can he have been that good when he was younger? But they don't, as I say, that the these players are, you know, have got the names in the the Liverpool folklore, the legends, and there's there's not many bigger legends than Emlyn for what he achieved as a player and as a captain over over two teams. You know, we then bring you know Shanks resigns and and Bob comes into the into the team, and I remember Emlyn saying that you know. Him and Bob got on well because they both liked the bet on the GGs. He used to call it, <laughs> and I think I think I've having talked to Emma a few times. I think she's got the bug off your dad. I think she's got the bug as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I heard I heard Graham's podcast on here a couple of weeks ago, um, yeah. or however long ago it was. But I heard Graham's podcast on here, and he was talking about um, was it uh, Bob Rockcliffe's garage? You used to go, yeah, with Bob Paisley, um, yeah. And yeah, I can I, I can imagine that was yeah that was that was true, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. yeah. So so as I say, the ad, but it was also, but that was all to do, wasn't it, with the camaraderie that those yeah. that that went along that got them. You know, when they when they were in a sticky patch, you know, they all stuck together and the quality of the players and the belief that they had did that they brought with them from Shanks and then the tactical squeaks of Bob, then got them you know over the line and then. You know, we start then the 
the 1976-77 season after winning the league and, and UEFA Cup and you think it's going to be really difficult you know, to top that season. You know, especially with the without dramatic, we won the league at Wolves. And like I, I was lucky enough to get in at Wolves. Peter he didn't get in, I don't think, did you, Pete? No, I spent me nice I spent me night walking around Molyneux. Eventually got in in the second half and we were still one down and got thrown out by a copper. Because <laughs> I I'd walked in we walked in not far <laughs> to get down, but we we Jemmy, you know, we, we got in anyway. Anyway, this copper picked on me, lashed me out. So I spent me now walking around the park. There were kids playing football in the local park and they had a, a radio. And I said, What's the score, lads? He said, You're still getting beat 1 0. And I thought, That's it. So even though it was a good night coming home because we were on the M6 party and that, that's that's the one game I think in all the years I've gone watching Liverpool where you pay on the gate that I got locked out. And uh, but I was I was reading a couple of things, uh, you know, like you were saying about Shanks going back a little bit to Shanks. When he first saw Emlyn play, he was that hell bent on buying the lad. He, he would he'd be phoning your dad up. I think your dad may have been in Dicks or something at the time. But he kept phoning Emlyn News up and, and saying, how are you, how are you? And I think the reason that we, we eventually bought him was the manager from Blackpool lost his job. Yeah, and Reece, he, was he, 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 yeah he acted almost like an intermediacy between Blackpool and Liverpool. And and it must have been it must have been fantastic for Emlyn to, to know that this manager, Bill Shankly, wanted him so much that he you know he, he didn't just keep going back every few months. He was on the phone to him constantly asking how his game was and were you keeping you're not eating bacon butties again, are you son? And what I want you I want you to meet and you know that, that's it's like you say Shankly instill that in all the players and to think of a man like that. And then Emlyn played him back tenfold for some of the displays, you know what I mean? And it must have been fantastic for him to you know play for like a and it's not being demeaning to Blackpool, but they were a smaller club, obviously. And then to be to be noticed by the great man, and then not just noticed, but to be kept tabs on. And I think Blackpool turned around and said, "If you're that desperate for him, you can have first first uh, shakes on him. If if you know if we sell, and that's how it happened. But yes, it's as I say. I think I think not long after he joined, I've been reading up a, a bit of stuff, and not long after he joined, he played ten games in his first season. And I think the story goes that Shanks pulled Emlyn to one side and said, "The cop are looking for a new hero. Make it you." And he, he he grasped it with both hands, didn't he? You know what I mean. Well, he grasped, he grasped was... Albert Bennett with both hands. <laughs> <laughs> it, it must have been, it's just fantastic times. I I'm, I didn't really start going regularly with the lad from school till seventy four, seventy five, because as I say, my dad was a blue nose, so he, he took me to the odd game and that. But uh, that's when I started noticing it was seventy four, seventy five. Well, I, I went to the Newcastle final. So I went down to Wembley that day, but that was when I was regularly watching Liverpool. And he, you know, he was there, as I say, he'd die for Liverpool. And that's all us copies wanted, you know. Yeah, that was my first season to sit to the first 5th of April 1974, just before the cup final was my first game. Yeah. And uh, we played, we played QPR. That's what I got, don't you? That game. eh? That's when I got me voucher for Wembley, that game, QPR. Well, QPR. Alec, yeah, yeah. Alec Lindsay, Alec Lindsay penalty and Terry Hennessy own goal, yeah. and they won two one. But I just, I just 
I, I was just in awe of watching Kevin Keegan and Emlyn Hughes that day. It was just mm. from the main it, stand, fantastic. I don't know if it was the same game, just, just touching quickly on it. There was a game against QPR, and it may have been that game, it may have been another season, but um, Stan Bowles was running through, through the Liverpool back line, but he'd gone too early and he was offside, so the Liverpool back ball more or less stopped. And Stan Bowles kept running and running. As soon as he got to the white line, and it was in the Anfield Road then, as soon as he got to the white line of the penalty box, he went over, took a tumble, and he looks round, and Emlyn uses about five yards after, <laughs> his head off. I it's think it might have been that game. We're not, we're not buying that off, you lad. And, he, and even Stan Bowles started laughing. But Emlyn Hughes, he couldn't move for five minutes. It was dead funny, it was. So it could well have been that game, yeah. So, so Mike, then we... We start, after winning the league in UEFA Cup double, we start the 76-77 season thinking, how can we surpass that? And we end up, but for the back of Lou Macari, I think, yeah. winning the treble. You know what I mean? And, and being so so down after you know, the FA Cup final. You know, and then off we go to Rome. And your dad must have told you some. Great stories about about Rome and and you know lifting the European Cup for the first oh, time. And... Absolutely. Well, to be fair, you just mentioned about the, uh, the Man United game, <clears throat> um, and Dad said they got on the they got on the train because they didn't fly anywhere. Then it was it was like they were they were normal people. Um, <laughs> so he uh, he got on the train back to Lime Street. He said, and obviously there's loads of champagne there that was supposed to be drunk because we'd won. Um, and everyone was just a bit quiet, a bit sad, a bit down because they just let the fans down as 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 they would. Uh, and Ray Clemens stood up and got went down and got a bottle of bottle of champagne or beer or whatever, and he just turned around and went, "I'm getting pissed." <laughs> and everyone's gone. Sorry, are we, am I all right? Am yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. And he said, "So he said that just broke the ice." Uh, he said, and by the time we got back to Lime Street, he said, anyone at Liverpool Lime Street with us getting off the train would have been convinced that we just won the cup. Because they were laughing, they were joking, they were singing. They were three parts full. Um, and, yeah, he, he said, and that that atmosphere, that camaraderie, the, everything went on from there to when they got to Liverpool. Uh, sorry, when they got to when they got to Rome. Um, they got to Rome and he went out into the stadium before the game kicked off and Dad said he didn't have to say anything well he didn't, he, they, were, they were great players, he said we walked out into the stadium um, he said and he said you just saw the level of support, he said and you just looked around at the rest of the lads and you knew even an hour before kickoff with the with the fans there that none of them were going to let them down it was a bizarre final. It was a bizarre final, that FA Cup final. You know, when it, that was my 21st birthday, that. I went down to that, to the FA Cup final. And, um, you know, like before the game, we were, I thought Liverpool were really, we were all really up for it. You thought, I'm going to win this quite comfortable. Because, like, Man United had a, they had a funny side. They were a youngish side, but they weren't really, they weren't really as good as Liverpool. Liverpool, much better side than them. And on the day, just it was just one of them days when nothing went right. 
you know, like, it, I don't know for whatever reason, you know, when we got back to 1-1, we weren't peppering the goal, we weren't making, like, loads of chances, or just, we were, we were in control of the game, but just one of, it was the weirdest day, and then I think just after Jimmy Case had scored, and someone had a shot, and, like, I think Stephanie spilled it, just down in front of us. And I think Kevin Keegan, he hesitated and then ran into it. And like, and then by that time, he'd lost the chance. And then the fluke of a goal, you know, as you, as you said, when you, we devastated coming out thinking, how have we lost a goal, a game like that? You know, like that we should have won. But again, what you're saying, going back to the, the European Cup final, by the time you it was built up, you felt that Liverpool were going to win the European Cup that night. It was just, it was just destined to be, just incredible night, unbelievable. Yeah, God knows what it must have been like to play in. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah so go. I was just going to say that you would have only been about two or three again, and so your mum is. Your mum has gone home, so were you? I take it you were being babysat by your nana, where you know somebody. I think it was well, no, nana, nana and granddad had been there. Well, no, nana, granddad had died just before I was born. But nana was there. Um, yeah. I think it was my mum's, my mum's mum and dad, right? Stayed, and they always got the job of having to look after me. And apparently, <laughs> I was an absolute nutcase. Which and I've got a nine-year-old now, and I keep apologising to my mum for things that he does that I must have done. Um, he uh, so yeah, I was. I, Sadly, I hadn't seen it. I've, I've obviously seen the seen the, the the replays and the like, but no, I never I never got to go. Um, yeah. But yeah, that just said that he, he said other than other than about ten minutes at the start of the second half, he said they were just head and shoulders better, yeah. better than yeah. lunch club by that day. He said, yeah. and then the year after in seventy eight, um, Bruce just came wanting nil nil a penalty. So they never yeah. had out of their own box. Yeah, your dad, your dad played left back in '78 as well with Jockey Hansen playing centre yeah. half. Yeah. So you know, played two different positions in in two different European Cup finals and played them you know equally as well. You know, you, I just can't can't get across to people who who never seen him play. You know how good he was. You know what I mean? I mean when I when I ever name an all time Liverpool eleven, he has to be in the team. So I normally put yeah. him in. At left back, yeah, me too. Yeah, so, but yeah, but just going back to to seventy seven, you know, that was that was just an unbelievable to, to to go from such feeling so low on the Saturday to feeling so high on the, you know, as I said, Tommy said there it was his twenty first on the day we lost the cup final. Well, well, it was my birthday on the day after the European Cup final, the twenty sixth of May. And I just didn't want to wake up on my birthday feeling as bad as it did on the Saturday when that final whistle went. So so on my birthday, yo, Liverpool are coming round the city with the European Cup and there we are, you know, all finished school dead early and right down to, to Picton Library, waiting for the team to come. And then your dad gave their... Let the song of all songs. Oh, yeah. Liverpool and magic. Well, to, be, to be fair to it, and he tells a story about that. He said, basically, he said, they'd won the cup on the Wednesday. He said, they'd obviously had a good few drinks. 
yeah. it carried on on the plane on the way out, but it carried on on the bus from from Speak to the to the town hall. He said, and then someone stuck a microphone in front of him, and he said, it just came out. <laughs> he said, and he said, he said the number of Everton fans after that uh, who just gave you. I mean, I still get grief now. I work, <laughs> I, work, I, was, I, I work in the boat trade, and I still get grief now um, from from Everton. I mean, granted, there's not a great deal. Of, there's not a great deal of Everton fans over in the Manchester area. Um, but yeah, I get I get grief now. Going, oh, I can't believe your dad did that. No, it's it's seventy odd years ago. I actually, I actually had a phone call. I, I, I'll have to say, I had a, I had a phone call about oh, probably six months ago. Um, Scouse accent, and I, whenever I start speaking with it, speaking with a Scouser on the phone, I, they'll start talking about the car, start talking about making the point, and I'll turn and answer right. Most important question: Are you red or blue? <laughs> and if you turn around and say red, right, okay, great news. You'll get on with me. You'll remember the name. It's Emily. Uh, oh, brilliant! As in Hughes. Well, yeah. Then it, yeah, he was my dad, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Help sell a car. Don't really need to. <laughs> um, but this fella turned around and said, "I'm blue." So I said, "Oh God!" I said, "You won't get on with me then." He said, "And why is that?" I said, "Because I'm called Emily." He went, "Oh God! You're not named after that prick, are you?" Went, <laughs> yeah. He's he was my dad, and he went, oh, "God!" He said, "I hated him." And when I did not, did not. Didn't think, oh, that's not saying that I hated it. He said, I went to Liverpool. He said, the whole town were excited. He said, even the Everton fans, he said, were excited about the fact that Liverpool <laughs> were bringing the European club, the European Cup back to the city. He said, and then he says, Liverpool are magic, Everton and tragic, Everton are tragic. He said, and I've hated him ever since. <laughs> he never Just, turned up for the appointment. <laughs> Just put a sense of can you grudge. Yeah. It's what, sorry? Did you tend to carry a grudge? <laughs> Just yeah. Of it. yeah, he's held on to it. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, having said that, he might have upset the Everton fans, but I tell you what, he made oh. a very Liverpool fan who was there. And, you know, he went up. I mean, he couldn't go up much in, a, in our expectations, but he did that day by doing that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was because we weren't expecting it for him to come out and sing. What has he said? I want you to sing a little song with me. And we were expecting him to stay to sing on the 25th of May or something. And he comes out and he says, Liverpool and Magic ever the tragic. And the whole place just went off. <laughs> Was that was that the same night as Teddy Mac? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Teddy Mac. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. But Enlund, just a quick question, though we're off looking to over. Did you ever in in his later career, did you ever get to see your dad play live? I saw him I saw him play uh I mean I remember him more at Rotherham when he was when he was player manager there. Um and I was lucky enough later on. Um, to because I was at I wasn't I wasn't my dad's level, but I could play. It was I was quite decent. Um, so after when I was about 13, 14, dad drafted me into his charity team. Um, so yeah, I got a chance to play alongside. Oh, it, it was yeah, it was. I mean, obviously you could tell he could play. Um, but no, it was it was it was funny. We we. Um, my dad's, my dad's favourite player that he ever played against 
favourite player for Liverpool, he had two, which were which were Kenny and um, and Graham. Um, but the favourite player he ever played against, and I'm sure 90% of people who played in the 70s would have said it was George Best. And we played in a charity match somewhere down, oh, somewhere down just north of London. Um, and bizarre circumstances. There's me and Terry Mack stood on the edge of the box. We've got a corner. There's me and Terry Mack stood on the edge of the box. Frank Worthington's taking the corner. And Dad and Davy Johnson jump up to go and try and win the header. And whoever it wins, whoever it was, got a touch on it and it looped back out. And I pushed in front of Terry McDermott and hit this ball and it flew in. Awesome. George Best was at the at the game doing some kind of well, basically he'd been in the bar, he'd just come back, probably. Um, and he was doing a presentation. I can't remember what it was for, but he was doing the presentation. They've got George Best there. And he walked over to me and he said, by the way, son, that was one hell of a goal. And I was just like, Whoa. yeah. <laughs> and Terry Mack was basically chasing me around the pitch because I nicked it off him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now, play, I mean, to be fair, I was lucky that playing with players like that, Alan Kennedy was in the team, oh, Kevin nice. played, Terry Mack. Um, yeah, there was, there was, there was some nice, yeah, there was some, <laughs> some lovely memories of, of. He was incredible footballer, George Best. Incredible footballer. That said, he had absolutely. Oh my god, I see, I seen him in 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 six. I don't know if it was 67 or sixty eight, but he beat Liverpool. I think he beat Liverpool four one, and um, uh, Peter will be able to find that game. But um, but I think Charlton got two. Yeah. What year? What year was that, Pete? Was that, was, home? was that at Anfield? Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. Well, Dad well, said that day, because it was. It must have been early 1970, 70, wasn't it? That? 70, 71. 70. Yeah. He, you know, like, but, but I think that, that was one of the, that, I think, was sadly, who was, who was playing for? George Best was an incredible footballer. Well, Dad, Dad said uh, Shanks walked in that day. He said, and if we ever got beat at Anfield, he said, Shanks would absolutely destroy us. He said, mm. come in, he'd lay into you. He said, and bearing in mind, the tunnel was just down on the left hand side. He said, you've done it all. Mm. Now, the tunnel, he said, you walked down, it was like a stone, a stone floor. He was he, said, he, had, he had steel toe caps on. He said, so you could hear him walking down. He said, so we're all sat in the dressing room thinking, oh, God, he's going to roast us again. He said, and he walked, he said, you heard his feet coming closer and closer and closer. He said, he walked and he swung the door open, stood in the middle of the room. And Dad used to do Shanks' accent. I'll give it a go, but it'll probably come out wrong. Um, and he just, Shanks just stood in front of them all and he said, boys, today you were beaten by a fucking genius. Ooh. And my dad said, he said, he said he'd, he'd turn and walked out of the room. Mm. And I said, everyone kept their head down thinking, I'm going to get mm. roasted here. He said, and he said, all of a sudden, he's gone out of the room. He said, and we got away with it. He said, he'd absolutely destroyed us all day. He said, it wasn't Man United. He said, it was George Best. Yeah. He, he was, a, I remember, I vaguely remember, I remember Charles scored two and two goals. Yeah. One was a screamer, but Best and Lord as well. Did. Jesus Christ. You know, like, and even walking out, and you know what? There wasn't that level of hatred at that time in, in the no. early, just the late 60s, early 70s. 
But like, you just, he was a, he was a footballer. We were saying with Les about, you know, like 10, I put a thing up ages ago, 10 footballers that made me fall in love with football. And Pelly was in there and Cruyff and, and George Best was in there. Sunis was in there, Kerry. And like, you right the way through. And do you know, Jimmy Johnson was another one in there as well, the same sort. But George Best, he's just incredible footballer. And to think he, he quit at such an early age, I think he was I think about 26 when he stopped playing money. Yeah. Tom, Tom that United game, it was yeah. actually, it was December 69, it was. 69, I thought it was. Do you know who scored our goal? I, I can't remember. Was it someone like who was it? No, it was someone like Emlyn Hughes who scored our goal. <laughs> that day. Was it Emlyn who scored that yeah. day? Who scored? Did Sharon score too? Yeah. Rowdy Rowd Yates scored an own goal. Yeah. Then Emlyn equalised. Yeah. Now, if if this is correct, it says Ian Yor scored. Yeah. Then Willie Morgan, and then Bobby Charlton. I thought Charlton got a couple, but I thought Charlton got two that game. I don't so unless unless you give unless they give it against Rowdy as an own goal or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I know the the goal he scored. We we scored a screamer, oh, yeah. absolute screamer. But what a well, football! It was on match of the day, and if you see it, to a man behind the goal, we applaud it. Yeah, he, but he was he was just a, he was just incredible that day. He just a, you know like it's such a such a You know when you look back and you can say you can look at great footballers and. All of us are, all of us here are sit sit around and we talk about the players that you watch play football, your dad included, the greatest greatest. We've been blessed to see some of the footballers that we've saw, you know. Yeah. So down on the same level. That day, because at least he put a bit of face up and scored for us. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, I, it's funny, it's funny, I didn't even remember that how embarrassed this that. Yeah. God. As I say, you know. You know, when Emlyn left us in 1980-81, it was a real sad day. It was the end of an era. And it was ironic, wasn't it, that the only medal that he didn't win at Liverpool was a League Cup medal. And then in his first season at Wolves, you know, he, he got yeah, the League Cup. And you know, what, you, 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 you'd have to believe that it was against Notts Forest, who were... You'd have done us the two years previous. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, Emlyn had captained us, you know, in the two games in '78. You know what I mean? And when when they got a dodgy penalty by given by Pat Partridge, not that I'm bitter at anything, Tom. Yeah. You know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, Dad got his Dad got his own back in the final because he legged uh, Trevor Francis up, um, just going into the box, and he said it probably was just in the box, and the referee gave a free kick outside. Ooh. 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 Wish I wish Pat Partridge had done that. <laughs> he might be full set at Liverpool then, but it was a real, it was a real sad day when he left Liverpool. And you think that we between nineteen sixty seven and seventy nine, he played six hundred and sixty five games for Liverpool, and he scored forty nine goals, winning four league championships, one FA Cup, two European Cups, two UEFA Cups, and one Super Cup. Mm. And like, you know what I mean? That is just. An incredible haul of of trophies from from a, a truly magnificent footballer, and as I said before, you know it's a real privilege to see him play. And I want to I want to tell a story, and Emlyn Emlyn will remember this um, this night. 
But I remember um, hearing the news when the remnant wasn't very well when the, the first diagnosed his, his tumour. And we were already planning to to invite him again to our dinners because we'd, we'd always invited him, but he'd never been able to come along. But he'd never, ever ignored me letter. He'd always ring me up. And just I'll, I'll just tell there's two stories here. The first part of the story is the one of the first times I rung him, he'd always, I always put my works number on in case people wanted to ring me during the day. And and anyway, I was on a I was on a call, and so we couldn't get through to my number, so it automatically diverted to another number on on the team I was sat on. And this girl answered the phone, and I seen her hear the same said, "You wanted on the phone," and I said, "Okay." So I finished the call, I was off, and she said, "It's a Mister Hughes for you, right?" So I said, "Okay." So she passes passes me over the phone. And, and again, it just answers the phone as, as as you do. Hello, hello, pal. It's Emlyn here. Right. How are you? And then he was talking to me for about 20 minutes before he actually said to me, I'm sorry, mate, I can't come to the dinner because I've got something else on. I'm really sorry. Right. So I was I was sort of on a high then because I'd spoke to your dad and I put the phone down. And some girl says to me, God, the girl says to me, who answered the phone? God. You were on the phone for a long time. I tell you what, Les, he said, she said, that Mr. Hughes didn't half sound like Emlyn Hughes. I said, that's because <laughs> it was him. And she said, it wasn't. I said, it was. She said, wait till like, I go home and tell my husband that I've just spoken to Emlyn Hughes on the phone. She said, he oh. won't believe me. Right. But he said, but then he'll call me a daft so-and-so for not bloody realising who it was. <laughs> <laughs> But no, the biggest one of the biggest tributes I can I can pay to to Emlyn is this, and I said a nice piece at the start, but I think this sums him up, and sums him up as as a person, as well as a legend and a hero more than anything else. In in uh, I think it was two thousand uh, two thousand and three, so it was the. The last sort of Christmas coming up before before he passed away, we'd we'd asked Emlyn would he accept the Tom Saunders Award, and I think you come along that night, Emlyn, yeah, with yeah. with your mum. Unfortunately, Emma couldn't make it, but you were there with your mum, and I think I think your wife was there as well, and and you come along with Emlyn, and he, he come, and he got there at, at seven o'clock, and he stayed, and he made a lovely speech when he got his trophy. And then considering what he was going through at the time, he actually stayed till the end of the night. He signed every autograph. He posed for a picture with every supporter in that room who wanted a picture. And he was one of the last ones to leave. Now, considering the treatment he was going through, he must have been virtually on his last legs being able to stand up. But he stayed and that just showed how much he loved the supporters of Liverpool Football Club. And, you know, we were we were so thankful that we were able to pay tribute to him and give him the ovation he deserved uh, for what he'd achieved as a player, what he'd given to us as a supporters during his, his time at Liverpool Football Club. A player that was bought for sixty-five thousand quid 
paid this fee a hundred times over. An incredible man, an incredible player, an even better person. You know, I had the pleasure um, you know, to have spoke to him, as I said before, many times on the phone, and he was an absolute pleasure to speak to. Always bright and breezy, but that gesture that night will live with me forever and I don't think will ever be surpassed by what he was going through and what he what he did. So you I mean, going home that night, Emlyn, he must have been he must have been really sort of on his last legs, you know, fatigue-wise. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he was going through what he was going through, but he never, he never ever forgot the fans that basically idolised him, adored him, um, and he wouldn't, because he wouldn't have got, he wouldn't have got where he got to without the support of the fans behind him. He loved, yeah. he loved every minute playing for Liverpool. And he loved every minute and every bit of idolisation from the fans. He he always said, I remember when we used to go on holiday and pretty much every year it was Portugal, the Algarve. Um, primarily so we could drink Matthias Rosa. But he um, he used to go away with a pile of photographs. And he always had a photo card. And he wanted to want the photo pre Taking it with your phone, you know, it used to be like one that you'd take, and then three weeks later you'd wait for it to come out of the uh, come out of the, the the Photoshop. Um, but he uh, he would always always sign an autograph. Would never ever turn anyone down because he always said the time to worry is when people don't ask you for. Yeah, as I say, incredible man, Tom. Your your final summing up on on Emlyn. Oh, do, 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 do you know what, Les? It's been an absolute joy listening to to to, to Evelyn talk about his dad. You know, bringing back so many memories. He was, he, he just everything about him. He was just one of the one of the greatest leaders of the club, and I think one of the greatest players of the club. I mean, when you we, you talk about legends, you know, as you said before, I think Mike said about the statue with Bob. It's there. It's there forever. You know, like and that sums up I, I think is is just just Emlyn as a person, you know, we we wouldn't walk off the pitch, had to be carried off the pitch by by Bob Paisley. Just everything about the man is just incredible. Two a true footballing legend and a, a absolutely nice man, a top man as well. You know, just a joy to see him play and a, and, a, and it's a joy to listen to stories about him tonight. Just amazing, man. Mike? So, I think uh, Tom's used the word about four times in that in that last uh, clip there. He, he used the word joy. And I think uh, uh, there's two people who've played for Liverpool who, when they score a goal, the joy is is unbelievable in their eyes. The, the, this, obviously, Kenny Dalglish was one that when he scored a goal, he just looked like it's the best thing ever. He, I remember him chipping one in against Stoke from the corner of the box and running back towards the camera. But I also remember watching Match of the Day one night when uh, Tommy Smith rolled a free kick along the edge of the box, 35 yards out, and Emling Hughes hit the ball and it was going up 
still going up by the time he hit the top corner against Ipswich Town. And then he oh. ran to the he ran to the <laughs> What did he cameras. say? <laughs> he ran to the cameras and the look on his face is just that's what you know, I've met quite a lot of footballers since then. And and I love the story, Emlyn, when you say about he never turned a, uh, an autograph or anything down. Because most of the really good people in football that I've met after know that football's given them a great life and they give it back. And, and you know, uh, uh, some of the stuff I'm doing at the moment, I'm experiencing that. And you know that that, that makes them an absolutely amazing person. And, we all know about football ability, but he was clearly an absolutely top bloke. Thank you. Pete? You can't really add much to what the lads have said, but he, he, I think he, he started in the midfield, I think, when he was a regular early, early sort of career. And then I think he formed this sort of partnership with Phil Thompson, and they, they were the catalyst for the way Liverpool where in the seventies they they were the ones who drove them on because they weren't just they weren't just your big awkward centre half who, who puts a foot in and hoops it eighty yards up the pitch. They were footballers, and you've got you've got to say, I mean, yeah. Emlyn Hughes could play anywhere, like you say. They played in goal if Shanks had told him or Paisley had said get in goal, he'd have done it, and he'd have done a good job. He'd have played anywhere, but you've got to really. Give the credit to the likes of him and Tomo to form that partnership. But like you say, when they nullified Malcolm McDonald when he was going to take us to bits at Wembley, and I don't think he got a kick and, and stuff like that. But it was it, it's like you say when we started the program. What, what what's your memories? And it was just the sheer enthusiasm of the fella, and, and his never say die attitude. You know, we could go a goal down, and and and, and in a way similar to how Klopp's got got Liverpool playing now, we with belief. And, and as I say, you've got Emlyn Hughes in your ranks and you always thought you were going to win a game. And like uh, Mike said, it, the smile on his face, that beaming smile when he scored, there's only one other player like that and that's Kenny. Uh, even my wife says, she says, I love to see these old goals that, that he scores, she said, and, and the way Emlyn runs around with his fist <laughs> up and everything. And like you say, it's... Uh, it was just a privilege to actually watch him live. It was such a good player, you know. Thank yeah, you. for me, for me, um, you know, I'm 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 sixty now. Emily, I was three when Emlyn signed for Liverpool in nineteen sixty-seven, um, just before my fourth birthday, and I'm so glad that I had the privilege to watch him play for Liverpool. An even bigger privilege for me was actually having the been so lucky and honoured for him to have spoke to me on my phone and Tommy's gone through this with some of the other players recently you know legends where he spoke to me on the phone and when when they ring you like you're literally shaking on the phone because they mean that much to you and like I've 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 been privileged during my my time following Liverpool to see so many great players play. But Emlyn is my captain. He will always be my captain. He will always be my leader. Mm. And what I found out in later life after he finished playing football was not only was he a great player, he was an even better person. And, you know, his passing was far too early, especially for Emlyn and his family and his, his, his wife, Barb, and, and Emma. You know what I mean? But 
we really felt it as well as the fans who watched him play. You know, we were in bits when we heard the news. I can still remember getting in the car after work and hearing the news that he'd he passed away and it was absolutely devastated. So all I will say is thank you, Emlyn, for all the pleasure not only you give me, Tom, Mike, Pete, but also the thousands and thousands and thousands of Liverpool supporters who had the privilege and honour to watch you play. You will always be our captain and I thank you. And Emlyn, to, just before we finish off, is there anything you'd like to add? What can I say to that? I, 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 thank you very much. Thank you so much for your kind words about it. It's sad, yeah, sadly missed, but still lives on in people's memories with it. So thank you very, very much. No worries. So to finish off now, thanks to Tom, thanks to Mike, thanks to Pete. That a massive big thank you to Emlyn Jr. for coming on tonight to pay tribute to his dad. And there's only there's only one way I can end this this program. I'll say as I always say, justice for ninety seven. Don't buy the sun, and you'll never walk alone. But come on without, come on within. You'll not see nothing like the mighty Emlyn, and we definitely will not. Thank you, Emlyn, for all the success you brought this football club. And to all the listeners of the LFC Red Poets podcast, I hope you enjoyed this tribute to the great man and we'll see you next time.